the Lord. We're going to get in the Word today, and, uh, and I believe this is from the Lord, and Pastor Mickey actually already started my message for me, thank you, and, uh, but he didn't know what I was going to say before he came up with what he's going to say, and, and sometimes that's the way the Lord works, it's the same Spirit bringing the same Word, and, uh, and so it's good to know that you're hearing the right thing at the right time, amen? So let's turn to, uh, actually, you can just look at the screen for, uh, with me on this one. This is 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2.15, Paul writing to Timothy. Paul's training Timothy to be a pastor. So that gives you some context on the books of First and Second Timothy. Uh, he's giving him pastoral advice and pastoral training in these two books. He says to Timothy here, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, Rightly dividing the word of truth. Did you know that we're called to di- rightly divide the word of truth? Do you know what that means? Uh, this is the word of truth, or you could say that Jesus' words were the word of truth. And um, our job as, as not only pastors, but as ministers, and by the way, we're all called the ministry if you didn't know, right? Welcome to the ministry. Here you go. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation and in the ministry of the new covenant. And so in this new, uh, this new way of doing things, uh, God has called us to know the, the divisions of the word, which means this. What things in the word are for you and spoken to you and what things are not spoken to you are meant for someone else, but you can also still benefit from? Meaning that just because something in here wasn't written to you doesn't mean we just tear it out, right? Like, oh, that was written to, to Judas. Uh-oh, that's not a prophecy I want spoken over me. Better tear that one out. No, just because something's in there doesn't mean we tear it out, but it could benefit us. And so what our job is, is to rightly divide the word. You, you should have a clear understanding when you read, is this from God to me? Is this from God to someone else under some different set of circumstances in a different time? You know, there have been different ages throughout mankind, and under different ages have been different different commands, different ways God deals with people, and uh, we're in a new, new, new time, by the way. We're not in, we're in the age of grace or the church age. And the old things that have been in the pre-Jesus, they're different than they are today. And so I see a lot of believers who struggle with this concept where they don't understand things like covenant. Do you guys know what covenant is? Pastor Mickey touched on it. Covenant is an agreement. Uh, The specific covenants that we're talking about are are God-ordained covenants where he has said, I'm going to deal with you a certain way. And in these covenants that we have from the Lord, we know that he's going to do certain things and he's going to respond certain ways. He's not just the God that kind of just does everything willy-nilly. He's not going around saying, you're going to be financially blessed and you're going to be poor and you're going to have cancer and you're going to get healed of cancer and you're going to be raised from the dead and you're going to die an early death. And He's not doing that. Why? Because he's given us a covenant. And in this agreement that we have with God are very clear parameters of how he's going to deal with us. If we don't know that, then we'll just 
you know, hope and pray, and, but we're designed to know what our covenant is with the Lord. And um, so often I see believers struggle with this where they live in two covenants at the same time. And there is what's called in Scripture the Old Covenant, which is uh, the law or the, the uh, Ten Commandments, if you will. And then there's the New Covenant, which Jesus came to establish. And in this New Covenant, we have grace and we have forgiveness and we have life. In the Old Covenant, you have rules and regulations. Um, let, me, let me go into this scripture here um, in 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, turn with me real quick there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, this concept of covenant uh, and knowing if you're in the new covenant or operating in the old covenant, it affects your whole walk. It changes how you pray. It changes how you receive from God. It changes how you treat other people. It changes your entire walk, knowing which covenant that you're in. Because the covenants are very, very distinct, and they're not even close to the same. Let's, let's read here verse, uh, chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians in verse 5. If you've got your Bibles, follow along here. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Of which covenant? The new covenant. Paul's saying, God made me sufficient to be a minister of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Someone's excited, praise the Lord. Maybe, maybe more people need to get a little excited. Verse seven, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, that's an interesting description of the, of the 10 commandments, right? The ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Verse 9. First, for if the ministry of condemnation, also alluding back to the Ten Commandments, if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So one thing I want to point out is the way the Bible in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, describes the old covenant. Now, I, I know some of you guys aren't Bible scholars, and that's okay, and maybe you're, this is your first time at church, and I'll try to make this relevant for you as well. The old covenant was a list of rules of do's and don'ts, and if you followed those perfectly, you got a list of blessings. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 28, we won't turn there, but that whole book is, is the first third of it is the blessings that you get for obeying all the commandments, and then the last two-thirds is a gigantic list of curses that you get for disobeying the commandments, and, and even if you miss it in one area, all these curses come upon you. That was the system which Israel operated for thousands of years. And it was a brutal system. 
And it was called in scripture, I mean, here's, here's some descriptors of the old covenant. It's the ministry of death. Another place says, the handwriting of requirements against us. The law of sin and death, Romans, Romans 8 says it's the law of sin and death. It's the ministry of condemnation. It's the letter that kills. So this, this system, this agreement that God and man had was not really great for us. Now, don't get me wrong. The law is perfect and holy. There's nothing wrong with the law. It is how God actually thinks. However, the problem wasn't the law. The problem was us being able to do anything to even come close to it. We could not even come close to the perfection that God's standard was. And the law made it obvious what the standard was. You might be thinking, well, why would God even give something like this? Isn't he a loving God? Doesn't he want people to have life? Why is he talking about giving this commandment, these commandments and this law that brings condemnation, it brings death, it's the letter that kills. What's the purpose then? Well, I remember one night I was reading the word and I was reading in the New Testament and someone in the New Testament at the time was, was putting someone under the law and talking to them about the, the, the law and I said, Lord, why, why are they talking to this person about the law because that's the law that kills, right? That's the, that brings condemnation. Why is this, per, this person putting this person under condemnation? And the Lord, I don't know if he ever does this with you, but he, he likes to answer me with a question when I ask a question. I guess that's like a sign of being pretty intelligent, which he's, he's pretty smart, but he does this to me often. I'll ask a question, he'll just answer a question right back. He asked this, he said, well, what's the purpose of the law? And as soon as he asked that question, I remembered these scriptures, these just scriptures just popped up in my mind. Romans 3.19, it says, now, th- now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth, here's the reason, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. See, what the law was meant to do was to make every mouth stop and say, Yep, I'm guilty. I can't meet the standard of a perfect God. I can't do everything perfect all the time. I'm go- I've messed some things up and I need help. God has literally given this for our benefit. He, ha- he did this, so why? So that we could get to a point of saying, I guess I'm not as righteous as I thought. Because what was happening in, the, in their day was they were looking at one another and saying, you know, I'm not so bad as my neighbor over here, or my brother, you know, he murdered a guy. I'm pretty good, right? Like, God's gonna accept me. I'm, I'm a pretty decent person. Do we have anybody that's doing that in the world today? How many people, you talk, you talk to me, you say, hey, if you were to die and go to, go to stand before the Lord, and the Lord asked you, hey, why should I let you in? What, what would you say? You know, a lot of people's response is, well, I've, I'm a pretty good person. I do, I do a lot of good things. I've helped some people. You know what the law is designed to do is to get that person to realize I'm not a good person. I definitely sinned. I definitely missed the mark of being perfect. And that was the standard for righteousness. That was the standard to be right with God. Galatians 3, 24 and 25 says this, therefore the law 
was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. 25, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. What's the scripture saying? We are no longer under rules and regulations anymore. We're no longer under a law that says you must perform this way. The old covenant was performance-based. You did everything right, you got rewards. The new covenant is flipped backwards. The new covenant is this. Jesus did everything right. Jesus was the perfect living uh, human being who never broke any commandment whatsoever. And Jesus was literally God in the flesh coming down, doing something we couldn't do ourselves. He did it perfectly, and then he went to the cross, and he suffered a sinner's death, and the sin of the world, your sin, my sin, every time we have broken the law, every time we're going to break the law, every time someone did any adultery, murder, uh, covetousness, dishonored their parents, every single one of those, Jesus suffered for He lived it perfectly, but suffered a sinner's death. Why? So that the punishment for our sin, so that the punishment and the the issue between us and God that was separating us was once and for all gone. So we no longer approach God saying, look what I've done. I've obeyed you. I've done these things. I haven't cussed since yesterday. Look at me go. We don't approach God in that way. We approach God saying, look what Jesus did. Look at what the Son of God did. He went to to hell and back for me. He was was crucified and brutally beaten. And it says that the punishment and the discipline of my sin was upon him. It says that he took my shame. He took my condemnation. In other parts of the scripture, it says that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. Did you know God poured out his wrath on Jesus? Do you know it would be wrong for God to pour out his wrath on you for your sin if he already poured out his wrath on Jesus for your sin? This is the new covenant. Everything's backwards. We start operating from a place of forgiveness rather than trying to get to a place of forgiveness. We start operating from a place of being right with God rather than trying to earn our place of being right with him. We are right with him when you're a believer because it came by faith in what Jesus did for you. It does not come by your performance. And what, when we try to live in both covenants, this is, the mind, this is some people's mindsets, and I know, I know I'm gonna get into some people's business here today, and that's okay, the, the mindset of living in, the, in both covenants looks like this. You know, I see the promises of God and I see what Jesus did when he was on the earth. I saw, see healings and I see miracles and I see all these blessings that are talked about, but I just don't feel like I would qualify for that. I mean, you know what I've done? You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I'm good enough for that. Why would God do that for me? That mindset is actually designed to be there from the old covenant. The reason that mindset exists is because the old covenant was designed to drive you to a place of I'm not good enough. 
So there's part of our mentality that's still living in the old covenant if we're approaching God saying, I, but there's like, I did something wrong and, and there's this issue and I don't feel right. And listen, that's the old way of doing things. The new way and what Hebrews talks about is that we can come before the throne room of grace and we do it boldly. Is it boldly when we're saying, oh Lord, I've sinned again, I need to, how many believers, you don't have to raise your hand, how many believers that it's normal for your prayers to start out if it's just you and the Lord, not talking like praying for your food, but like your prayers are like, oh Lord, thank you that you're helping me not be a scoundrel anymore and I'm, and, and Lord, I blew it here and I blew it there and you, you, do you know that's the old way of doing it? You're living in the old covenant. Jesus in the new covenant has washed all those sins away and the Lord says, I will remember those sins no more. Come on, this is the new covenant. This is the new way of doing things. It's the way of life. It's not, the old way is the way of death. We have to step out of doing it the old covenant way, which is I'm doing this based on how good I am, do it in the new way, which is I'm doing it from a place of already being right with God. I'm doing it because he loves me. I'm doing the right things because he already paid the price for it. So we have the purpose of the law, but now we have this state of, okay, so what is the new covenant? If the old covenant is not doing is not being doing this performance base. If I'm no longer commanded to not murder or to you know not sin, to tithe, to do all these things, if that's no longer commanded to me by God, does it matter what I do then? I mean, we, do we really have the freedom to do anything we want to do to even sin? No one's responding. <laughs> Here's the reality. You do have the freedom to do that, but in there, there is no way in that that is actually going to help you. You have the freedom to sin, but that sin is still a trap and still a snare. Even though God is not gonna condemn you for that sin, you're definitely gonna condemn yourself. That's what the scriptures say. When you sin, your heart condemns you. And it says you lose confidence towards God. There's still a bunch of problems when you step into sin. Now, here's the thing. Stepping away from the old covenant and into the new covenant, you stop sinning because, not because you're trying to perform and trying to follow a list of rules. It's like God himself is inside you compelling you to do the right thing. It's easy in the new covenant to do the right thing. It's hard under the old covenant because it's all on you. In the new covenant, it's actually God in you who does the right thing. Let me, let me, let me show you some scriptures here. Turn, uh, you're still in 2 Corinthians, chapter, 2 Corinthians 3. Hopefully you didn't move yet. Verse 13, just jump down a few verses here. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day when Moses is read, 
a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. You have the ability to choose. You're no longer under strict rules and obligations. Here's a, but the next verse is a but. But we all, with an unveiled face now, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what I want is a transformation, and that doesn't come by following rules. Being transformed into the image of his glory, which is the being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, it doesn't come from me doing everything just right. It comes from me beholding him, and the image of him will transform who I am. It's designed to be not rules anymore, but a relationship. When it's a real relationship, I'm not trying to do everything to just make someone happy and check a box. I'm doing something because it's real now, because the Lord's in me. See, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be a rule follower. I want to be transformed in the image of God. That's not going to come by me doing the rules. That's going to come by me having a real relationship with God. It just comes that way. You're, if you try to do this without a relationship with God, you're going to become the, a very religious, self-righteous person, and at the end of that, you're going to feel like a dog anyway. But if you come to the Lord in the new covenant and say, Lord, I was a scoundrel, but look what Jesus did for me. I was a knucklehead, but man, look what Jesus did for me. Now I can have full access unveiled face to the Father. And that image that I'm beholding of the Lord will transform me. Did you know that you are designed to be changed by the people that you're with? Did you know that you rub off on people and people rub off on you? There's scriptures that say like, you know, bad company corrupts good morals, that kind of thing. Did you know what good company does? <laughs> it changes your morals for the, in the right way. When you spend time with God, he created you to be more like him. Godliness is not something that you work toward. Godliness is something that you behold and are transformed into. Say it again. Godliness is not something that we are all trying to work toward. Godliness is something that we behold and are transformed into. It is not something that's a burden on your back. It's a something that's a burden on his back. And when we are looking to him, it actually gets into us. See, um, the, this idea of a relationship, God was so excited for even before the new covenant came about. Um, re, I want, I'm gonna read this to you. This is a prophecy in Jeremiah that was given hundreds of years before the new covenant was even established. And, uh, and Jeremiah says this in chapter 31, 33, should be up on the screen here. God's saying this, he's prophesying, he says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And 
and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. I don't know if you can do, when I'm picturing the Lord saying this, I see him as just, he's excited about this new covenant that's coming. He's excited because he gets to actually know us and we know him. He's not excited so that everybody just does the right thing. He's excited for relationship. He's excited to have fellowship with you. See, that fellowship doesn't start by you doing everything right. That fellowship starts with you being right with God through Christ. When you receive Jesus, you step into a right relationship with him. And then after that, this was what happens. He writes his instructions on your heart. What does that mean? It means you get to follow your heart. It means your heart actually has the desires of his ways. You know, I remember, um, I remember when I was um, first walking with the Lord and I was 21 years old and I just had this encounter with the Lord and pretty much everything changed for me at this point. And this is like the pinnacle point and turning point in my, my whole life. And two weeks after this, you know, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out what's right and wrong, right? And I'm, um, at the time when I have this encounter with the Lord, like I don't know any believers and, um, and, I'm, and I'm just walking with a bunch of heathen friends still. And two weeks after this, I'm, I'm planning on going to a party and doing what people do at parties is planning on getting pretty drunk and, and uh, having a good time. And, but at this point, I have a relationship with God where we're talking on a consistent basis. And um, in, this, in these moments that I have with the Lord, I never feel like the Lord's gonna drop a hammer on me or that he's like super disappointed in me or anything like that. So I'm, I'm driving on my way to this party, planning on getting smashed drunk. Like that was my routine for the last year and a half. And I'm going to this party and the Lord, I'm talking to him and he, I, he asked me, he goes, hey, why do you get drunk? And when he asked this question, it wasn't like a, oh, he's about to drop the hammer. He's about to get angry. He's, he's super disappointed with me. No, it was really a question that made me reflect and say, well, why do I get drunk? Well, what is, what, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I started to answer and said, well, I know why I used to get drunk. I know that my life was horrible and I had all these problems and I didn't like who I was and I wanted a, I wanted a change of reality at least for a few hours, at least for one night a week. Who cares what comes in the morning? I just want to change. I, gotta get, I gotta need an escape. And I said, but you know what? Nothing's changed on the outside, but everything changed on the inside of me two weeks ago. And my situation in life didn't improve one iota, but I had a relationship with God now, and I was so full of love. I was so full of joy. I was so full of his, his goodness, this like, I, I don't need an escape anymore. And I said, it just seems really dumb to go get drunk now. Like, I know I make dumb decisions when I'm doing that, and I know the pain that comes later. Why did I do this? I don't need to do this anymore. And it was like God just reached inside of me and went, here's the desire to do this. Whoop. And it wasn't because he was angry. It wasn't because he was condemning it was because he loved me. And I was just talking to him. 
and I was just enjoying his presence, and I just was enjoying the new covenant life. And you know what happened? I changed. I lived far better and have since then far better than I ever did growing up in, in religion where I was trying to do things the right way, trying to earn my place with God. In the new way of doing things, he changes your desires. But that does require us seeking him and beholding him for that change to happen. So yes, you can step out of the old covenant and go live like a heathen if you want to, but can I tell you, you're gonna be more miserable than when you started. The new covenant is actually a relationship with God where you're talking on a regular basis, where he's real to you where, you, where you have open conversations with him about everything in your life. And when those conversations happen, it's like he just starts cleaning you up. He just starts removing the dirt and the gunk and the scars. And it's just like over time, he's just conforming you and transforming you into the image of his son. And it's effortless. It's like without even trying, you're just, you're just in a relationship. That's all it is. It's a relationship. And when those things get broken off you, you're like, wow, it was that easy? Some people have been in here and you've st- been stuck with that same piece of gunk for years. The Lord's wanting to just remove that. If you'll just open up to him, instead of being worried about him condemning you or thinking that he's upset with you, and if you'll just say, Lord, here I am. You know me. I'm all for you. You're you're dealing with me through Jesus now. So I'm accepted because of what he did. Now I can come before you and you can just help me in everything that I need. That's the new covenant way of doing it. It's not performance-based. It's relationship-based. I'm going to finish with these these verses. Galatians 5.16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The new covenant is no longer rules. The new covenant is I am led by the spirit of God. Because it goes on to say in verse 18, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You are led by the spirit. See, God designed this whole new covenant to be a relationship where you say, Lord, what are you doing today? What do you want to do? How can, how can we make this happen? Rather than, a, rather than a, I need to follow these rules, I need to make sure I read this much, I need to make sure I pray this much. I don't read the word and pray because I'm trying to perform for God. I read and pray because I love him and I wanna know more and I wanna get, dig deeper into what he has for me and I, I wanna spend time with the one who's, who died for me. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't wanna give themselves completely over to the one who gave everything for them? And that's the way the new covenant operates. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We'll wrap it up there. Let's do this. We're going to take uh, communion now. So ushers, if you guys want to start passing out the elements. And this is the, this is the perfect segue into communion because communion is one of the ways we are reminded of the new covenant way of doing things. And so in communion, we're going to partake of the body which, is, which was broken. Jesus' body was broken for us. And we're gonna partake of the wine, or it's really grape juice. And we're gonna partake of, of the blood of Jesus that washes us clean. Can I, can I encourage you? If that's been your mindset and you recognize when I was talking about 
living in two covenants at once where you feel like a scoundrel every time you go to pray or you feel like you're not good enough to get what God's promised you, can I tell you, let this be the start. Let this be the new year where you're walking in the new covenant where all the things that used to be the way you dealt with God was, that was, that was so 2021. That was so last year. This year, I'm walking with God in the new covenant. And I'm gonna do it with a clean conscience. And, this, and the blood of Jesus is gonna wash away every bit of condemnation and guilt. And just let there be no condemnation and guilt let stay in you any longer. Because the Lord's not condemning you. You may be condemning yourself. You may be thinking yourself as a scoundrel. But that's why we're doing these things. That's why we're told to do this. So that we partake and say, you know what? It's not about my performance. It's about the Lord and what he did for me. And when you do that, everything changes. Amen. We're going to. We're going to just get ready and prepare for, for taking up the communion. If you have your, your Bibles, turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Amen. You know, communion is one of the reasons many of Jesus' disciples left him. Did you know that? That he, he said some, some things like, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will by no means have eternal life. And, and everyone thought he was talking about uh, cannibalism. <laughs> and they just got offended at what he said and left. And you know, Jesus, when, he, when that happened, he wasn't like, oh no, I offended them. Let's go, let's go run them down and try to explain this. He actually turned to the disciples that were still with him and said, are you gonna leave me too? <laughs> You know, this is a rudimentary thing that we as believers do where we partake and we are reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus. This is the basis of our covenant with God. This is done to remind us that we are no longer under obligation and rules, but we've been set free from that. Once and for all, Jesus fulfilled the law. When he came and he lived that perfect life, he satisfied every commandment and he earned every blessing. And then when he went to the cross, when his body was whipped, when he was beaten beyond recognition of a man, you couldn't even tell what gender he was. He was so badly beaten. Think about that. He was naked. You know, one time in... in uh, in a service, we were about to take communion like this and I was just praying and I was considering Jesus's body being broken for me and, and I just got a glimpse of what it looked like. And I can't say it was 100% actually what he looked like, but when I saw his beaten body, it like made me sick to my stomach. You know how like you might see something overly gory and it's real and it just makes your stomach turn? Come on, that was Jesus. He went through such torture and such hell, literal hell on earth for you, for you to be restored, for your body to be mended, for every disease that was upon him, it was for every disease to be lifted off of you. 
when his blood was spilled out, it was for every bit of sin that you ever have done and ever will do to be completely satisfied in the eyes of God. The justice was served at the cross. He poured out his wrath on Jesus so he could pour out his love on you. And that's what we do when we take communion. We receive his goodness. We receive what he did for us. We're reminded that Jesus, he, he did it all. Our relationship with God now is him and him only. There's no other way to God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no one who gets to the Father except through me. Why? He was the only one that did this. He was the only one who spilled his innocent blood for you to have your guilty blood washed clean. He was the only one who took his clean hands and literally his clean hands became our sin so that him who knew no sin became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed he took the bread. Let's take the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And do this in remembrance for me. So we take this bread now. Father, we take this and we do this in remembrance of what Jesus has done. Father, that his body was broken for our bodies to be restored. He was bruised and brutalized. So we wouldn't have to suffer the consequences of our, of our sin. He did this for us. We receive this now by faith. We believe what Jesus did and we proclaim his death until his return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood the new covenant the new agreement between you and God this cup is your new relationship with the Lord where your sin has been washed clean your performance doesn't matter anymore because his performance is now accounted to you this, do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we drink this now, knowing that Jesus' blood has made us right with you. It's washed us clean. We do this knowing that our conscience that has been seared, that has been, has been brutally uh, beaten up from the decisions that we've made. Father God, that our conscience now gets cleared because of the blood of Jesus that he poured out on that cross. Everything was satisfied. The power that is in the blood of Jesus, we receive it now as we drink. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for restoration. Thank you, Father, for restoring us back into a place of real relationship. Thank you, Lord, for you accept us. You accept us. And Father God, it's, it's you we look to. It's you we behold. 
It's you our lives are built on. We turn to you in Jesus' name.